We are back. Bailey and Harper coming to you again. Check this out. Episode number 20 of the Bailey and Harper podcast. Let me say shout out to all the people out there that click and download, subscribe, listen. This has been a, uh, a really fun run here early on and it's picking up a lot of steam. So I want to thank you for that. And we got some cool things coming like today. First of all, Roman Harper, what's up, buddy? How are you? Mm. <laughs> I'm doing great, Kyle. Sorry. No, you're Just good. taking the last swig of my you're Dr. Good. Pepper. You doing all right? I'm doing good, man. Happy New Year's. Almost Happy New Year. This is New Year's Eve, where yes. we re- we're recording this podcast, New Year's Eve, from the Bailey and Harper Studios, a.k.a. Roman's Retreat. So it's a big week, holiday vortex, Christmas, New Year's, a lot going on. And we thought, you know, with uh, the turn of the calendar and all the things we want to talk about in the future and all the cool people there are out there to talk to, we thought, why don't we start by bringing back somebody we know pretty well, Julian Council, good friend of our podcast, good friend of our uh, Radio production there for a while. Julian Council works for NASCAR, hosts the 704 podcast. He's a Charlotte native, CLT born and bred. And one he of our is a Charlatan, he really for is. sure. He, if you 100%. Look, if you looked up Charlatan, this kid would be in the dictionary right here. Julian Council, good to have you, buddy. Uh, happy Christmas. Merry New Year. How's everybody doing? Excellent. 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 It's Excellent. good to have you, man. It's yeah, good to be it's here. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in a long time, Julian. I it's, know. It's, I think uh, I came over here like one Saturday mm-hmm. uh, back when you guys were doing this podcast. So, I mean – not back when you were doing it, you're still doing it, I guess. And kind of just hung out and drank a couple of your beers. And then I left. We played Golden Tea, too. So we did play Golden Tea. That's the last time I saw you. I see him a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as often as back in the past, which is okay. We, we technically broke some COVID protocol, you know, a couple of months ago. Shame on us. But uh, we watched some football together. And, uh, you know, we're both pretty conscientious guys who've been taking no, this whole thing. I mean, hey, it was three of us. It was me, your wife. Well, no, I know. And you. That's true. So that we actually, we, we actually fed into the governor's protocol. That, you know what? That's true. I take that back. I felt guilty about something that I didn't do. So now you just made me feel better. Good decision to have him on. He's yeah, making man. us feel it, good. That means you, the dessert bar was open. And yeah. You had a piece, and it's okay. He came by. We caught up. We watched some football. What, that was the uh, – that was uh, a Thursday pa- night yep. game yep. Uh, against the Falcons, not the Panthers. Panthers of Falcons. <laughs> that was uh, we were all jacked up for that one too. Well, no, the funny thing was, I thought going into it that they'd win. Then I, immediately as the game started, I was like, "Wait, they're about to get shredded today." Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Julio was playing, so was Calvin Ridley. I think Ridley actually got hurt in that game, but still they got destroyed in the secondary that game. And then of course, um, Teddy Bridgewater's fall, right? Teddy, last, all of last, this. Last this is drive, why I like Teddy's everything. Ball. This is he, he why did I like Julius. interception on that drive, but I would not blame him because it's Chris Reed and the offensive line got destroyed the entire night. But Teddy's fault like every game, every loss is for the Panthers. Okay, real quick, before we go into all that, because that's going to be fun, uh, we, we got Julian in here. Can I start by saying, or asking rather, you got a cool gig these days. You're working for NASCAR, and NASCAR's had an interesting 2020. Can we just please start there? First of all, because no Roman doubt. and I – 2020 sure. has been huge Roman in NASCAR. Roman and I have some new favorite drivers, by the way. We're big, you know, uh, big, big fans of, of the sport of NASCAR. Let me guess. Roman's favorite driver is uh, Bubba Wallace. <laughs> I don't know. You, bro, <laughs> why it? are you asking me? He He's is right one there. of three drivers that I know. The funny story not, – it's not really a funny story. Well, no names, though. I was I – I'm not a NASCAR guy. Everybody knows that. I was up at a Rocky River Golf Club right by the uh, Speedway up in Concord, and I actually was playing behind Bubba Wallace a couple weeks ago. So he was in the group right in front of us. The guy we were playing with was like, yeah, I just talked to the starter, and apparently he's a bunch of NASCAR drivers. So I was like, oh, I work for NASCAR. He's like, who, you know who it was? He's like, actually, I don't know, but I can go ask the starter later. So eventually <laughs> we did see – I could see Bubba Wallace on the tee box. I think A.J. Allmendinger was also up there. So that was, that was kind of cool. That is sweet. That's so cool, bro. I mean, like – you, so how much NASCAR did you know before you got this job? And was that a part of you getting this job? Was it uh, having some knowledge of the sport? From what I was told when I interviewed and like after, after I got the job, what I was told from some people, 
um, was that I actually got the job based off of my what my credentials, my resume, but also the fact that I was coming from outside of NASCAR. Okay. They wanted some different perspectives, some different ideas from someone who might not be like a diehard NASCAR fan. That's good. So growing up here in Charlotte, of course, NASCAR is huge. We have the Hall of Fame. I grew up going to races. I had all the, the Hot Wheels. I was a big Jeff Gordon fan. Still, to Did you have the I jacket? Am. Oh, I had the jacket. Rainbow Warrior. I was all about Jeff <laughs> yes. Gordon. Still am. It is cool every day when I drive to work. When you're driving on 85 North heading towards Concord, you're driving on like Jeff Gordon, like freeway or something like that. So for me to be a big Jeff Gordon fan, it is kind of cool that every day when I drive to work, I'm driving on a highway that's named after him. So yeah, I I was a NASCAR fan when I was a lot younger. Then as you get older and I found out about like football, basketball, and all these (laughs) other sports, they came a little bit more attractive to me than like the sport where the guys went left and went very fast. Are there pictures though of little Julian rocking a rainbow warrior Oh, certainly. Like, my dad, we'd always go to Coke 600. We'd always go yes. to the All-Star Race. So, I'm yes. sure that there's pictures out there somewhere in, um, in our house, in our storage of me going, going to Going to the Coke 600 is the ultimate dad event. I took my dad to the Coke 600 last year, and mm-hmm. it was funny because my dad's like 62 now. We were driving down Bruton Smith Boulevard and, you know, going all down through there and, and seeing all the campsites and, you know, people tailgating and got up on the track and passed the dragway. And my dad, the whole way, you know, he's pointing out, yep, got drunk there with my buddies one year. You know, that was the year Earnhardt won or, you know, over here, or, you know, ran into your cousin. I mean, just had the best memories because he's been there, you know, probably a couple dozen times to watch races. But that's the ultimate dad event. That's the coolest thing to go do with your dad, the Coke 600. Yeah, and I liked going to races back then. And I would still – I haven't been to a race in a long time. I would still want to go. I've had plenty of friends now who, once I got in the job, like, we got to go to a race. It's like, well, I mean, guys, you grew up here. You've always had an opportunity to go. But absolutely, we'll go to a race. I tell anyone I know, whether you're a NASCAR fan or not, like, that's something to go experience. Like, you can bring in your own booze, which is a huge thing. And especially after all the changes that they've had this year with getting rid of the Confederate flag – that now I feel like it's even more welcoming place than it's ever been in the past. Cause I think that's honestly something that's detracted me from wanting to go, even though having lived in the South, like there's been plenty of times where I drive on the highway, whether it's here in North Carolina or been in Virginia or Tennessee, or I've seen a Confederate flag and it's like, okay, yeah, not a huge fan of that, but probably not getting off on an exit. <laughs> Have I, like, has it been that big of a deterrent for me not to go to races? Probably not as much so as I've had other things going on. I just haven't made it a priority, mm-hmm. but I am glad to see that, with the change that they made that they're now trying to be more inclusive. And you're seeing guys like Alvin Kamara of Mm -hmm. the Saints who went to Miami Homestead to go cheer on Bubba Wallace back when they started having races again. And that's something that you would not have seen a year ago or even like a decade ago. So the fact that now it's finally to the point where like we need to get rid of this and Kyle Larson getting suspended and he's been reinstated. Apparently, from everything that we've heard, he's now a rehabilitated person, and he understands that saying the N-word is not a good thing. I don't know why it took him so long to figure that out, but I I am happy that NASCAR was swift to get rid of him and displace him, and hopefully he's learned something from that, even though something he should have learned when he was like five. But I digress. It is an exciting time for NASCAR. We actually did have like one of those long like virtual meetings that said of all the sports in America, all the major sports, NASCAR is the only sport to see its ratings go up in 2020. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I was just talking about ratings today in sports. And they had some good competitive races too. I think that helped too. They They did. did. I mean, I know there were some toward the end that people didn't, tune into as much I mean there's some tracks out there that I, I and I'm not a diehard NASCAR guy I just I was kind of it was forced on me growing up because my mm-hmm. dad loved it all their all my family loved it I just I didn't gain an appreciation for it until I got older and so I loved being at the track that I was lucky that they took me to the track uh, and you know exposed me to it because you when you I tell people if you've never stood at the bottom of the grandstands and just felt those cars go by you and the power and the speed that's going by you you don't have a full appreciation for what it is you're watching. It's so awesome. Now, did you ever go to Talladega or anything growing up? Did you ever go uh, see a race? So, 
First of all, that little whoop whoop noise you're gonna hear is that uh, Kyle's phone was on vibrate right by the My bad. thing. No, no, it's okay, bro. It's all good. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, anyways, I've been to Talladega. I've only been to one NASCAR race, and I went to Talladega when I was older. I was in my 20s. I was, uh, I was in the league. I'd met a good friend from Louisiana. He was taking his RV inside. I went to uh, Alabama. I was going to Talladega. I was gonna stay in the in the infield with him. So I did that. That was my only experience. I did get to bring my dad, though. He drove over, him and my mom, and it was the coolest experience ever. So even what Julian's talking about with actually doing it with a dad or family thing, it was like the coolest experience because we had the headphones, so you could actually yep. hear, you could switch drivers, yep. you could hear what they're talking about. My dad was so into it. Now, me, I was just kind of drinking and hanging out with some 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 ladies. But you it's know good for I mean? that, too. But I, I, I did do it for a little bit, and I just love – Man, those engines are so powerful, and the noise and the sound and how fast they go by you, I don't think people really – you don't appreciate that on TV. That's one thing that you don't experience until no. you've actually been around these cars. You've heard them, the, the vibrating and the sound, it's only one thing that does that. And even though it does just go left-handed turns, it's still – as it starts to get down the stretch, like a, a place like Talladega, what I learned that made it so exciting was – I know it's a lot of nothing sometimes, but then those last like eight or nine laps through the third turn where it goes from like really wide to really small, it's a whole bunch of action that's going to happen the more these guys are coming down the stretch. So I think each, once you learn the strategic part behind it too, that was kind of cool to me when I actually, I'm like, oh, so it is like a game plan. We're not just out here driving. It's funny. Cool thing about that is, like, I think about it, I hadn't seen a race in its entirety in a long time until mm -hmm. they had the Kansas race um, in the playoffs this past season. And I'm sitting there watching it back at the studio as you're talking about strategy. Kevin Harvick, who was the regular season points leader, was right behind Joey Logano for basically like 40, the last 40 laps, mm -hmm. just trying to get past him. And the camera angle that they had, putting it in Harvick's car of him just trying to get past, maneuver past Joey Logano was so cool. You're like, damn, this is awesome. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, like, I haven't been watching this in a long time. Like, this is actually exhilarating. And it's not like a boring thing that like a lot of people talk about. Right. Like, I, I've always appreciated NASCAR. Just haven't said, like, I've been a big-time fan of it recently. I've always been a fan, but it has, I haven't been, like, I guess, an active fan. So I think it's really cool with the sport's going. And, like, I know I'm going to sound like a, a corporate chill now that I work <laughs> for NASCAR. But I promise I'd say this anyway. But the fact that you have Chase Elliott win the uh, championship yep. this past year, and he's the most popular race, most popular driver in the series, in the Cup Series. Mm -hmm. And he wins, and he's only 24. He's extremely young. That's good for the sport. Yeah. To have your most popular driver win, and he has a bright future. The fact that you had such an exciting playoffs that you've had all this social change and that NASCAR now looks as like more, one of the most diverse sports or more inclusive than they've ever been. Yeah. And the ratings went up. That means it and has room to grow. It, it's, a, it's a great – I think it shows that NASCAR has room to grow. Like so many sports, do they – how much more can you grow the NFL brand, right? Well, I know it will continue to go because it is that machine, but – NASCAR, you're like, man, this is something that's heading in the right direction. It can only go up at this point. Yeah. Like, I just don't see them reverting back. I mean, they've already had a lot of They had a change. lot of loss. I mean, that yeah. we talked about it two years ago. At one point, they had lost more viewers than they still had watching. Mm -hmm. And so they had to make some changes. People kept complaining at the time, back in the summer, about, you know, and the diehards, the, the traditionalists, you know, saying things, you know, that they're abandoning their fan base and, you know, the, the rebel flag-oriented uh, crowd, not happy about it. But it's like, the, so they were supposed to just ride the current wave into the ground because everybody else was leaving. Like, they, they weren't supposed to change anything. You know, because to me, they did the smart thing and made a much bigger tent, and they were much more welcoming and brought a whole – Alvin Kamara went to a race, y'all. I mean, like, that's a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan now owns a race team. That's a big deal. And so 
to your point about diversity, I was talking about this with uh, somebody else earlier this year. You got drivers. This isn't. It's this is a good old boy sport, you know, in its history and at its core in a lot of ways. But you look at the roster of drivers from California, from Michigan, Wisconsin, New Jersey, Connecticut, the, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, you have drivers from all over the country. You have people that work in this sport from all over the place. It's a really, really cool sport. It also, though, made me think about uh, Roman. We forgot about and, and you know what? Let me stop there because this has to be talked about. Look, the NASCAR stuff is awesome. I want to come back to it, but we all are so distracted by what's on the TV right now. Again, it's New Year's Eve. It's about 345 in the afternoon. Mississippi State and Tulsa are brawling uh, before the bowl game or at the end of the Miss. Uh, what is this bowl game it's again? At the end of the bowl game and uh, I don't know where it's at. Yeah, I don't know which I forget. It's the, uh, the Armed Forces Bowl. That is one of the worst football fights that I can remember. Did you have you seen the whole thing? I mean, there were six dudes on top of that one Tulsa Dude, player swinging. just getting mauled. Oh, it, it gets they way got, worse. They got dudes swinging way, way late too. Did you like, see them chasing each other down the sidelines? Yeah, kicking, like one, one kick dude stomped on a Tulsa player. I, I don't, I don't even know. That was ugly. That's really ugly. That I don't know. I, I gotta ugly. like actually be able to see that whole thing kind of what happened. Wow, I don't know. Like we, the, the TV's on mute. We'll look it up and, and yes, find out. We'll but, have I mean, to look that up. Sorry. I just know, but on first glance, that's one. Of, it's at least one of the worst football fights I've ever seen. That's bad. It, well, it normally it's if it's just one or two people, and it then it kind of goes. I think Julian's checking the Twitter. Disperses, but wow, um, that was like two sidelines. Um, that was a lot of people. That yeah, was, was a big, big brawl right there yeah, it was. at the end of that game. Mississippi it was State a lot of Mississippi away. State, too. It was wow. a lot, a lot of Mississippi yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there was, there was like six guys on top of one dude who's on the ground, and he's getting basically – he's like getting dogpiled and, like, stomped down. Yeah. Wow. It's not a good look. Yeah. Wow. That was fan- – wow. That and, was- and you know this, too. Like, you working at SEC Network, it's going to reflect far worse on Mississippi State than on Tulsa. Man. It's what I'm uh, – I what I saw, I would th- definitely think so. Especially, I, I mean, like Mike Leach has kind of had a, a weird year. Like he mm-hmm. had that whole tweet about the noose and with the, like the whole meme. Yep. Like being in the state of Mississippi, that doesn't fly. <laughs> then basically, Kylan Hill kind of just said, "Screw this! I don't even want to be on this team." After they had to, once they changed Mississippi State flag, and also he didn't really want to be there under Mike Leach. And now a lot of players did opt it out later on in the season, not wanting to play for Leach. Now you have this. Well, Leach not, not also said that he said that more guys would leave. So he was hip to the game since day one, I guess, knowing who they were going to be. I mean, it's, they still won the game. It got very close at the end, but. That's not the story. Yeah, that's <laughs> not the story at all. Man. No, this, they will, nobody will talk about how good Mississippi State's defense was. Is what the stats I wrote down before that it also happened. And also that this was, it was you were going to celebrate this until this was a, this, this fight happened. This was an amazing finish for Mississippi State. They were three and seven in the SEC, not good. And then you go out and you beat a winning a tw- the twenty fourth ranked Tulsa team that's six and two on the season. And that was the first time the Mississippi State had beat an AP ranked team at the end of the season since nineteen forty one in the Orange Bowl versus Georgetown, Dang. number ranked Wait, number thirteen. They, yes, yes, I wrote that down because I saw it when it when it scrolled across. <laughs> That's so big, I had to write it down. Wait, hold on. And man. then I turned my head, talking to you guys, and then I looked back, and Kyle's eyes were just telling, like, look at the TV. I look, and it's a full all out brawl yeah. going down. 
And it wasn't like you had guys not only getting their helmets ripped off. I mean, that one dude, he stomped on a player's chest and maybe his head. I didn't even see going. that part. I got I totally have to go back after this. There whole was a thing Tulsa player at the tail end of it. As he was running into the end zone, his helmet came off, and a player who was uh, – he had his uniform on on the sideline, but he wasn't dressed for the game, came out and tried to sucker punch him and just barely missed as he was falling. I mean, it got ugly, man. That's Again, that's why I'm saying it's one of the worst I've ever seen because for the, the parts you missed are some of the worst. Uh, oh. So that's gonna that's a lot of suspensions right there. Hey, real quick, to put like a, a quick bow on on the NASCAR part of that, uh, he and I are now big uh, Jeremy Clemens fans and Josh Balicki fans. Okay, I don't know if you know about this. We're now uh, dedicated Truck Series and Xfinity Series fans because we got Josh Balicki, Jeremy Clements are part of the Whitetail Smokeless family. So uh, we, we have another reason to watch this year, right? I like I like Whitetail Smokeless, bro. Shout okay. out to them. Yeah. That, yeah. So they got sponsorships and and they're part of the Whitetail Smokeless family, man. We love those guys. So we're we're fans on all three levels now. It's a really big deal. So you guys me watching truck series uh if, if yeah absolutely man <laughs> okay well i mean look it, we're talking about the sport man we got it we got to talk about the sport we also want to shout out you know part of the whitetail smokeless family now the other thing was that was one that we forgot on the pros and joes remember a couple weeks ago we were talking pros and joes and the yes. old show, pros versus joes i remember i that love show. dudes who like and I, I don't know if you have friends that have told you this man i could drive in nascar Man, I could drive it. Oh, okay, so you could go 200 miles an hour, six inches off somebody's bumper at a 45-degree embankment, and you, you, could, you could just do that. It's awesome. That's one that I missed that I wish I would have thrown in. So the only way I would do a NASCAR track is nobody else is out there. That's like my only rule is that and nobody else is on the still track. Crash the car. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I agree. I agree. That's what I'm saying. But my only rule, I said the only way I would even try it is that nobody else can be out there. Like, I need space. <laughs> I've been on that embankment. I've seen it, bro. It's not like this. It, it's, it's real. It's real. Yeah, it's real. And I don't I've never driven in that type of, you know, slant or whatever that's called embankment embarkment. Yeah, no, no, no. I hear you. I got to walk down the speedway at a concert. But anyway, in the interest of time, there is something else I want to ask you. OK, because I like we we follow each other on Twitter. You and I talk. But like, I think I know what this is. <laughs> oh, do you? Is this is this chicken sandwich stuff? Oh, hell no. I'm not fighting. With, I'm not fighting with that dude about what the best chicken sandwich is. That's dumb. It's box. Can I just say that? Like, so his main argument. <laughs> this is Hacksaw. His main argument was, oh, I'm fat, yeah. I know food. He, I'm fat, so I know food. Just because you're fat doesn't mean that you know what good food is. All it means is that you eat, you eat too much, you have a <laughs> shitty diet, and it might be a little bit of genetics, too. No you, doubt. Like, All those matter. All those matter. So I, I don't want to hear like fat people knowing more about food. Like You know more about food, <laughs> maybe, because you eat too much. But it doesn't mean you know what good food is. Wow. Very true. Okay, yeah. No, I, I just had to get that on my chest. Okay, you got <laughs> it off your chest. No, that was not where I was going with that, but that's okay. also awesome. I mean, it, he did drop some dollars right there, though. Can, mean. can we already say, I guess it's my question for you, can we already say that LaMelo Ball is a future Hall of Famer? Can, can, <laughs> see, I, yeah. oh, another Charlotte well, hey, question. This is can, really good. Can we say it? Can we, can we preface this by saying that this guy, Julian, is one of the biggest Charlotte Hornet fans I know. And he is always angry. He's, I just so, said, he's been so heartbroken for so long. Yeah. In his mind, I don't think he can ever get past, like, I, I just don't want to get too excited. They like, own him, again. but they've snatched a part of his soul. Right. <laughs> I've honestly been pretty positive this year. I like, think you've okay. been bad. There's been a lot of people, like, when we're talking, like, with the whole Charlotte sports pantheon and, like, how the fan psyche. Yes. I feel like I've been, like, one of, like, the ten negative – excuse me, ten positive people in the entire city okay. of Charlotte when it comes to the sports teams in the city. With the Hornets, I was excited with this team coming this season considering the fact that, like, last year when they were supposed to be god-awful, you had three guys and Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, 
and P.J. Washington, who were in the Rising Stars game. So you had three guys that you could try and build build off of or yep. at least build around. And Terry Rozier, who signed that three-year, $59 million deal, everyone hated it. People tried to trade him all offseason. <laughs> but he averaged 18 points a game last year, starts off open night, has 42 points. I was excited. You add Gordon Hayward to this, who's going to be a 20-points-per-game yep. scorer. He is. And you get lucky with the lottery, with the ping-pong balls. You get LaMelo Ball, who – Looks like that superstar that this city and this team desperately needs. Yeah, they do. I'm excited about it. And future Hall of Famer, I mean, obviously, like, it's fun to joke about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see. Like, he's going to be a good player. Like, I think there's no doubt about that. The jump shot, it has a ways to go. He did shoot well last night. Um, talking about the game against Dallas where they just destroyed the Mavericks, who came off with a 51-point win mm-hmm. against yep. the Clippers, which is crazy. I guess the, the Hornets are, what, se- are 70, 70 points, one yeah. point better than the – Los Angeles Clippers right now? Yep. Just saying, probably <laughs> I mean, if, you, I, if you're 71 points better than the Clippers, I think we could start talking NBA title. Yeah, take that. Championship. <laughs> no, they're, he's good. I he, do like – I've really enjoyed – first of all, if you have – he is – LaMelo's – I think he's really good. I think he's grown up around it. Him watching his older brother and all these other things that kind of – I think it kind of prepares you when you're the youngest and you've seen your family go through some things. You naturally will learn from that, right? The good yeah. path, whatever that's going to be. And I think he has continued to change his game. I think he's a lot more mature than what people think he – than what we saw when he was – because he was thrust upon everybody at such a young age. Being around all that stuff, I think that kind of does mentally change you. And that's the picture we think he is, not knowing that his actually his ability is pretty legit. He's that- tall, I think he's taller than what people really underestimated too. And his game transcends because he can – he can definitely pass the ball. He's yeah. going to help. He makes other people around him better. He's like 6'8", which I don't think they thought he was going to be that tall. Right. Like, you see him standing next to, like, P.J. Washington. He's taller than him. <laughs> I think about, like, the maturity thing. I don't think the national media and the people, like, who followed, like, LeVar yeah. Ball and his sons, Lonzo, mm-hmm. LiAngelo, and LaMelo, when they were doing the whole, I guess, circus, if you want to call it that, I don't think that they treated him fairly when he's, like, 14, 15 years old, a freshman <laughs> in high school at Chino Hills, and he's shooting, like, he's, like, He's cherry picking. Yeah. He's shooting from half court and scoring 92 points in like a high school game. I just, he got so much bad publicity for that, which I don't understand. Like, why are you sitting here trying to like chop up a 15 year old? Like, he's a kid playing basketball in, in high school. Who cares if he's cherry picking? Like, is it good? Probably not. But if he gets like another level, do you think he's really going to do that? When you speak of maturity, too, like he played in Lithuania. He right, played last right. year yep. in what, New Zealand? Yes. So he's been a pro. Right. So he has to have some sort of maturity. And I think mm-hmm. last year he was basically on his own overseas. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about that at all. Um, obviously, he's like well, only 19, so you, he does need some sort of ter- caretaker. Of That's course. That's the one thing when you're an NBA team that you kind of get concerned about that. Because <laughs> like, people ask, like, so like, who's taking care of these guys? Like, well, I mean, they're people, but they're also an asset to our organization. They're going to make sure that they have a babysitter. Like Des Bryant, when he was the Cowboys, he had a babysitter. Like when he wasn't out there doing it, it was, he was acting a fool. The Cowboys went there and found someone to take care of Des Bryant. So I'm sure the Hornets are probably doing the same thing with Lamelo Ball if he ever needs that. But the guy's fantastic. He does all the things I love for players to do. He just facilitates the ball perfectly. Great rebounder. Again, the offense is going to come along one day. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he has a chance to definitely be an All NBA <laughs> player one day. He, you, the rebounding thing is what really has been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, like he's not just an able rebounder. He's a willing rebounder. He likes to rebound. He's in there mixing it up. I saw him snatch one or two away from a teammate over the past couple of nights. Like he's been really fun to watch. I like him. 
You know, he's, he's just – you started freaking out a couple of games ago in the preseason, and I loved it because I had the same feeling at the same time. I was like, oh, man, they might have gotten this really right. Oh, you should <laughs> see my, my drafts. You should see the drafts I have. I, already, I have one prepared to ask Mayor Vi Lyles, when are you going to give this man the key to the city? <laughs> like, it's what we do at this point. And had I been watching the game last night in its entirety, I probably would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I couldn't blame you. I couldn't blame you at all. So, no, I was wondering about that because, like, he's, he's just – he's good for the city. And I think like I agree. Some, some, well, some people he has star power. Pe- there are he, a lot of dudes who look, don't want look, to admit that though. When, like older when, people, especially. I mean, just go to his social media following. How many more Twitter? Fo- he has more than your whole organization. Well, we, yeah, he has six million Instagram followers, <laughs> which I think I think is, he has more, almost as many or more than than like sports teams. He has more than like the sports. NBA on TNT. Has. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he has more than the, and that's the that's the channel where you get to watch. Chuck and Shaq and Kenny and like I mean that's a they're they're very popular and he's and he's 19 years old. Yeah, he right? has 6.2 million. The Hornets have 1.4, and then you go to the Panthers as I'm pulling it up right now. The Panthers have 1.7. Like he's the most popular <laughs> sports figure in the city. Yes. If you're just going based off of followers and retweets, yep. Like he is, and that's the thing about it. Like he is all he's go if he becomes an All NBA kind of guy, an All Star, he will easily be the biggest athlete in this city. Like, I understand Chris McCaffrey, all-pro guy, great player. He's a running back. Like, the NFL is a quarterback league. Like, I understand that people love McCaffrey. I think he's great. I think he's one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL, if not the best offensive weapon. Mm -hmm. But people don't tune in across the country to watch the Panthers to watch a running back in Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Like, people are tuning in to freaking preseason games to watch LaMelo Ball Passed a rock for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> and looked like Magic Johnson like, doing it. <laughs> Matt Doherty called him Magic Johnson. I know he did. Matt Doherty did. did. Shout out to Matt Doherty, by the way. That dude showed up today at, at the, the workplace. He does a weekly radio hit in studio like mm-hmm. he used to do. And he brought me a bottle of champagne and, and a card. And, I mean, dude just came in with gifts. He had one for Evan. Wait, you work today? Yes. I, w- when do I not work? I took a, I took <laughs> a day sucks, off yesterday man. for the first where, time in six where months. Where have you been, Julian? Uh, that's, I actually thought about that. That's, I'm kind of happy I don't have to do daily radio anymore because I can't imagine actually having to like work as much as you have to work. I would be there on Saturday morning sometimes, and he would come in to do his Saturday show, and I'd be sitting there working, and he would open the door just to say, go the fuck home. That's what he would say. He would just tell, go home. And I haven't been to the office since December 10th. Yeah, and I'm just like, dude, I gotta, we got to get stuff done. That's all. You got to do it, it, man. But no, hey, shout out to Darty for that. But, dude, he just – Lamelo looks like Magic Johnson out there sometimes. That, that well, he's got the body passing, too, right? Because he's so tall. Well, well, that does help. Part yeah, of it. he's I mean, that, that baby fat though. That what? <laughs> I mean, it was a different game back then. Yeah, different that's game. true. That's true. Uh, that, Magic that, was Magic take the do the, go coast to coast all right handed yep. dog. That one-handed pass he threw to Malik Monk in transition in the preseason with the top English on it, uh, I mean, it was just unreal. And that's that was a glimpse of what he can do, man. He's just a special uh, – he's fun. You can't he, even do that in a video game. You can't. <laughs> that's, like, that's how ridiculous it was. You can't even – you can go on 2K. There's no way you could – you could practice for hours and you will never make that pass in the game. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, no, nah, he's that, – that's, that's a fun team, man. They're a really fun team. So, what? well – since you bring it up, and Kyle had talked to me about it last week. I mean, how about Malik Bridges? I mean, not Malik Monk? Bridges. Uh, no, not Malik Monk. Miles, uh, Br- Miles, Miles Bridges. Bridges. Okay. I apologize. apologize. He looks awesome. Like, he, he <laughs> honestly looks like most improved, or he looks like sixth man of the year already in yep. the first four games. Like, last night, I think he had 20 points, 16 rebounds. Career He's high. shooting the basketball from three-point range better than he ever has. Mm-hmm. Like, the last couple of games of last season, or I guess back in the spring, 
It still feels like so long ago. It was last season, but back in the spring, he was turning that corner. I, I agree. I loved his game. Yep. So I, it looks like now he's – I think in the role that they have him in, I, he's, not, he's not a starting player. At least right now he's not. I'm not, not on this team. He doesn't fit in there as the four. I think P.J. Washington starting off at the four makes more sense and then bringing that kind of punch I want you to tell me how he's doing too. It works out. I just think the role that they have him in is really maximize him, especially when he's playing with a guy like LaMelo Ball and he's being able to play against the second unit of other teams where he's more athletic, he's a solid defender. Mm-hmm. It, it really helps him out. And I like how he's playing, and it just makes you think. Like that bench last night against the Mavericks, who are a fantastic team with Luka, and they bottled him up. It looks like this team could be pretty freaking good this year. I, I've always said – I came in the year thinking if they can get to the playing tournament, I'm cool with that. I know a lot of people out there last night are trying to think a little bit more past that. Can't get – can't think too far ahead. Like they did lose to the Cavaliers, who are think undefeated still from somehow. somehow. <laughs> but you can't lose to the Cavs. You can't lose to OKC. Yeah, they beat Brooklyn and Dallas. That's, so that shows you who they're capable of beating, but also proves that they're capable of losing to even some of the worst teams in the league. Man, it's I, I'm just glad it's back. NBA had a big week. They had huge ratings in Week One, which a lot of people I'm sure you know didn't love to see. But they had. The, have you seen them? I, I mean, I, you know, I don't care about. Ratings. I know you don't, but like, I, but that's it's a narrative now. You know that. I hate. It's, I hate that word. It's a, what <laughs> narrative. It is. Everything. What a it is. Everything's a narrative. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, like, that's a thing that people fight about now, and yeah, it's uh, it's dumb, but it's what people fight about. The NBA had a really good start to the season, and like they're doing it by doing the opposite of what they just did in the bubble that everybody complained about, but was actually like really high level basketball. But now they're back out traveling across the country, but playing in empty arenas again. Mm-hmm. And they're playing condensed schedules. And, you know, but everybody's into it because we got sports back. And, like, the last – it's not a coincidence. The last time the NBA started this well with viewership and stuff, like, was back in 2011 – yeah, 2011, when they also started the season on Christmas. You know, they also started the season. This one was December 22nd. <laughs> but, like, there's something to this, and that's why they're changing it and doing it this way from now on. You know, there's just something about trying to open up your product in the heart of the NFL season that doesn't work. Is that true, though? Like, it's not just a this year kind of thing that they're going to be playing from, I guess, December 22nd, whatever it started, to July. Because aren't they trying to go back next season to the normal October? Every indication that I've seen is that uh, the NBA is looking to do this moving forward. I mean, there's a lot of support for it. Well, I know that the, the reports have been that they would consider it. But I, I just I, – I haven't seen anything, like, concretely said that this is what we're going to do. Like, I'm not saying – Oh, no, no, no. Guy. Look, I mean, not, neither one of you and I work in the front office. So, I mean, the, the main office is – so, I, don't, I can't say with 100% certainty, but every indication that I've seen would, would indicate that that's what they're going to do. But regardless, to your point, you know, it, it's – yeah, well, I, we don't need to, like, break down or dissect the ratings more so that – I mean, it's a, it's a good product and people are enjoying it that it's coming back. Like, it was just a shitty year for sports. Sports and entertainment took a beating Except for NASCAR. in 2020. Except for NASCAR, right? Your ratings were good. but Mic drop. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it was a rough year for sports and entertainment in 2020. It's, that's interesting, too, because, like, a lot of people thought once the world shut down and when sports returned that you would be looking for that escape. Yep. And that a lot of people would watch. Yep. And that just has not been the case. Like, for me, too. That's like, a great I, point. Like, I love sports, but I, there, when the bubble came back, I wasn't watching those games. My team wasn't playing, so what point – like, why didn't you watch? And once the playoffs started, I did see some of the key moments, but I wasn't tuning in until, like, the fourth quarter, which I do in a normal time with the yep. NBA playoffs. And then once college football came back, I used to spend most Saturdays just sitting there at home watching college football. This year, it was like, as long as the Tar Heels play, I couldn't care less about anyone else. I was watching Carolina games, and that was basically it. This is the least college football I've watched since I was, like, seven years old. 
College basketball been the same way so far. Now the NFL the, recently, I spent a lot of Sundays on uh, Sunday ticket, sw- like switching around games. I think it's the fact it's December and you're close to the playoffs too is having me more in- like interested. But this has probably been the year I've watched the least amount of sports in like 15 years. I just have not really wanted to watch a ton of things this year. But you're like you're obviously not alone in that because that and I was talking about this today like the Masters ratings. Now again, they played in November well, not I watched April. Watched a ton of golf though. I did not miss but like a lot a, of people I, didn't, did. I didn't miss a shot But, see, when but that's they had what I was going to ask you now that you bring that up because I know NASCAR had a better year, a good year. I didn't the PGA Tour also have a they were up year over year in their ratings. They had a boost too. They did go up cuz I do think about it like well, the return of golf was when it came back there was only golf and NASCAR. Right. So like back then before I was working, I was like, well, I'm going to choose golf because I'm like, I was started playing again. I was sure. more interested in it than I've ever been before. And in all the majors, I, I watched every major. Like I was waking up at like 7 a.m. to make sure I was going to see like Tiger tee off or DeChambeau tee off. So I, I watched more golf this year than any, I've ever watched in my life. See, so I think it was because of that that when we were going into the Masters, I just expected the ratings to be good because it's it might be November, but it's the Masters, Tigers playing. But then they were down 51%. And, again, there are reasons for that. Like, if they'd played it in April, it wouldn't have been as bad. I think we all agree on that. But, you know, nobody was doing anything in April, so they did what they did. College game day was there, and they still were down 51%. Now, I get it, Sunday was Sunday. Tiger wasn't in it, and, you know, it was what it was. It but was like, also – it was over. Dustin Johnson, it was, it was already over. It was already, exactly. It was mm-hmm. already over by the time he got to the 18th green and or the 18th tee box and held probably the 15th tee box. No, it was o- no, it was over like the day, the moment he teed off. Yeah, on okay, Sunday, that's it fair. was over. That's if, fair. But like, if any had, if you had been watching, like, because people who watch golf a lot, like watch the Masters too, like they watch a lot of golf and even like casual fans might swoop in. But if you if you paid attention that season, the way Dustin Johnson played, oh, you no knew doubt he was balling he was down the stretch. Fair enough, yeah. it was over. The way he yeah, was putting and all that stuff, he was it unbelievable. Wasn't even close. Yeah. But like uh, the larger point there, like that, with the the ratings were terrible there. Then we found out the NHL ratings in the postseason were down like twenty eight percent. The NHL yeah. played everything. Even the NFL's down. Se- would you just say the NHL played this year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the NFL's down seven percent right now. So everybody's down because people in twenty twenty, like you said, found themselves like, yeah, I love sports, but I mean, I'm not incapable of occupying myself or, or doing something else. And, you know, that's a problem for sports. I mean, the Braves, they went to the And you also got to understand, people can't – a lot of sports things, it's a community type thing. Yes. So when you don't have the ability to be able to do that, people don't do it as much. Like, uh, it's no fun just to watch the Panthers on the TV. But when it really is fun is when we get to go and pregame and tailgate with some friends and meet some other people. We have some drinks. We hang – that is what community is, and that's what – the part that's taken away of 2020. So I understand that when you when you lose that factor of community behind it, that's what sports is. Sports brings people together like nothing else that we have in America. And when that's down, everything else will be down because of it. I think all that stuff will kind of work its way out. But I want to go back over on something else because I got Julian here. Is DeChambeau going to actually win a real thing, though? Like, is he going to – because, like, I know he, I just want to crush the ball and, like, be a Sunday – a Saturday swinger. And, like – but, bro, you got to, like, have some touch to your game to win majors. We know this. And DeChambeau for – he's either going to be – he could he could very much so be the next um, – what's his name? The one from Texas that's kind of falling apart. Oh, Jordan Spieth. So, yeah, he, he could be a Jordan Spieth where he's had early success in his career – and then I don't know. Then something bad happens. We're like, if it doesn't go good from here on, he only goes down. Well, Bryson had an awesome season. Like he was the story. I in agree. Golf. Like, I agree. Of course, like COVID, he was the story in golf this past season. Agreed, because he changed his body. He was hitting nukes out there, bro. Well, he, he like Bryson went about it. He said, 
I want to get more distance. Yes. So I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change my body. He went out there and did it. And then he won the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Right. And the superintendent at Wingfoot said that the winning score he wanted to be was plus eight. Eight over. Bryson went out there and shot six under par. <laughs> no one else in the tournament in the entire field shot under par that week at Wingfoot at the U.S. Open. It's supposedly the greatest challenge in golf. He went out there and did it. Now, does he help himself by saying that he's going to be playing Augusta National as a par 67, and then he goes out there and doesn't even beat Bernhard Longer, who's like 65 <laughs> years old? No. He certainly doesn't do it. Like, he's a beefed-out nerd who is super annoying, but he, said, but he said what he was going to do. He set out to do it, and he did that. He yeah. won the Rocket Mortgage. Like I said, he won the U.S. Open. He's going to continue to be one of the top players in golf because, as you've seen, like he led the tour in driving distance at 322 yards, which is absurd. 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 Like, I don't think Bryson is a problem with golf because a lot of people are just worried about, like, the bomb and gougers now. It's guys like Matt Wolf, who's, like, 5'10", who was the 54-hole leader at Wingfoot at the U.S. Open, who kind of fell apart on Sunday. That guy, like, is scrawny, 5'10", like, 160, and he's driving the ball, like, 315 yards. Like, that's an equipment problem. Like, that dude should not be able to hit it almost as far as Bryson DeChambeau. Like, I think Bryson's good for golf because we're talking about it. Because we wouldn't have been talking about Bryson DeChambeau or really golf last year. Correct. Because, I mean, outside of Tiger, who you never really know what Tiger you're going to get weekend to weekend, mm -hmm. there's not a ton of guys that really resonate with a lot of people. Like, you like Justin Thomas. I love Justin, Justin Thomas. I, I love but, JT. But you have a relationship with him. He's I a do. Bama guy. But does most casual sports fans even care about Justin Thomas? No. Probably not. Dustin Johnson, like, he's a cool guy. But, like, does the casual sports fan really care about him? No. Not, but I think a casual yeah. sports fan was kind of interested – and is Bryson DeChambeau, dude, yeah. who was huge and hitting the ball a mile. <laughs> For the same reasons that – actually, let me just ask it this way. Because I said this. I, I said that Bryson DeChambeau is, is golf's Trevor Bauer. Oh, yeah, that's I like what he, that. that. That's what he is. Bryson DeChambeau is golf's Trevor Bauer. He's a nerd who's also very athletic and great at what he does. He doesn't love traditional ways of doing things. Trevor Bauer used to tell coaches he would not run, you know, foul poles after a pitching outing because, you know, that's like the ba that's the thing in baseball for the last. You, you pitch, you know, you pitch in a game, you throw five, seven, nine innings. You know, go go run some poles and uh, work out the lactic acid and all. And Trevor was like, no, there are like scientific reasons why I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do all these things that he's concocted in his lab. I think his dad was like uh, a nuclear physicist or some sort. But like his dad didn't play baseball, but he taught him baseball the only way that he knew how. Mm -hmm. And so he he's. Trevor's got this futuristic lab up in Seattle where he teaches pitching. and yeah. But he's also, like, as a pitcher, he's kind of an asshole. And I like that about him because he's very honest about, like, not just other people and Rob Manfred, but about the game and about the sport and what's wrong with it and how to fix it. And that's how DeChambeau is where he doesn't care whether or not you – like the fact that he just wants to beef up and hit it off the T four hundred yards if he can, you know, and, and and out happy Gilmore everybody on. The, he doesn't care how you feel about that because if he's winning tournaments, then you can kiss his ass. And it's also not just the fact that he's hitting it further; he also is putting the hell of the ball. Yeah, he, he's like a fantastic putter. So it's not just like he's hitting it that far and like he has a shitty short game. Like he's a really good player. Yeah, and he also had the credentials. Like he won the U.S. Amateur. Yep. Like he, I, there, I, I feel, remember from LSU. He say so he went to SMU. SMU. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, so, the name, sorry, just always made – he, like, stuck out big time from his name because it looks like something from Louisiana. Yeah, because there's um, – I remember I, him from college. I remember that name. You do? I, I uh. forget the stat, that like, what it was, but, like, it was, like, him, Tiger, and Jack Nicholas, like, the only guys who have, like, done certain things. Mm -hmm. Like, one to USO – like, one to, like, the U.S. Amateur, 
and like there was some other thing, but like he has the credentials. Like this right. is not like a dude who just came out of nowhere. Like he was already a good golfer. I agree. He's just now made himself even better, and he's gonna be formidable moving forward. I just want to see it, like with the whole body change, because you know it was just so it was so. Like I remember when Tiger got bigger, but like DeChambeau went like next level, right? So yeah. I want to see how it goes. That's all I'm saying. And all those and, guys. and also, how about this though? Because were you tuned in when Young Charlie Woods was out there? Blowing it out there too when he was. I, out I there. only saw some of the uh, the videos on Twitter. Yeah, I did not. Same. I didn't watch it. Okay, but I, it was still. I felt, was how I cool supposed was to feel bad though? for not watching that because everybody was like typing it. It, it. it was cool. Don't get me wrong. Like I sought it out after the fact because I wanted to see what it looked like. I think it's an awesome father son thing. But I had people tell me like, you're gonna watch that this weekend, right? And I'm like, I got like five things that I yeah. want to watch and some I'm stuff with to you. do. So like, I didn't watch. Okay, because I almost felt bad for not being more into that. No, I, I didn't watch it like that either. I did. I was very very impressed though when I saw. When I saw my man Charlie like hook it around the uh, the turn and land that thing like with it, I'm like, dude, I've been playing golf for how long, and I can't even come close to doing something like that. Oh yeah, I mean, he hit like, that. like 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 <laughs> it was a five wood he hit like from like 175. He put it like eight feet from the pen. Yeah, you know it was what I mean? Insane. And it's like it's a mini tiger, and it makes you excited for what golf will be in the future because like there's a ton of young, young guys. There yeah, now. it's a ton of young kids that are all doing that nowadays though. Yeah, because of the game and being. And that's really – that kind of is the Tiger Woods effect. That, that's exactly what it is from way back. That's what started it. Oh, I mean, you look at your guy Justin. Like, he looks up the Tiger. Like, right, he does. They have a great relationship being members down in Medalist down in Florida. And then, like, Brooks Kepka, he's one of those physically fit – like, all these guys now get in the gym. Like, Phil Mickelson yep. was fat as hell 15 <laughs> years ago. And now <laughs> Phil at 50 is in shape. Like, that's part of what Tiger Woods brought to golf. And, like, being an athlete, not just being a dude who goes to the country club – gets loaded and goes hit some balls like you like you can't do the john daly approach anymore right like, there That's are no exactly more john what daly. i was about to say exactly <laughs> we, we were just telling a john daly story like two episodes ago you couldn't be that guy anymore in modern day golf real quick just not to pivot too hard here i just thought this would make you smile i was scrolling through a year in 2020 deal oh in, in the year in sports no this will make you smile right here i, I found that Yes, Liverpool. That's what I was going to say. You got, was that, that's your guy Mo Salah, right? Uh, that is actually Sadio Mane. I feel like an idiot. I don't know. I don't watch. <laughs> uh, he knows I don't watch Premier, Premier League soccer. But Julian, like uh, Julian gets so excited about European soccer. Like, that is your thing, Julian. I know. I, it's his thing. I was just scrolling. He would this. be sitting there. He'd be in the studio. I'd come in on my Tuesday, and Julian would be furious at what's going on about Liverpool. Check Either, this they're out, usually man. winning, but all of a sudden – Oh, d d hold on. Well, yeah, you're right. Stop there. Because th it was the funniest thing ever. Because I would look over sometimes. Because, you know, he and I, for those that might not know, we used to do radio together. I would look over in the middle of a segment. And he was always there when I needed him there. But if he didn't need me, he was – or if I didn't need him, he was watching Liverpool. He was watching Premier League soccer. This dude is in – like, he had big theatrical reactions to stuff that would sometimes scare the hell out of me. But check this out, Rome, real quick. I don't mean to make you sad. But, like, it, it's this list of, like, uh, like, a chronological top 20 moments of sports in 2020. And, and it starts with the national title, Joe Burrow, LSU. And you'll get it. Then it goes to the Super Bowl, Mahomes winning it. And it keeps scrolling, and bam, that one just, you know. That, I, I saw a clip of that for the first time the other night, and I hadn't thought about it, honestly, in weeks. And that was, uh, you know, Kobe. Because mm -hmm. somebody was doing, like, a year-end montage the other day. I think it was ESPN or Fox. And, you know, that jumped on the screen, and it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks all over again. And I was like, that happened this year. And I, I didn't forget that it happened. But, man, it's been such a long damn year that it almost feels like it didn't happen in 2020. Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a day where I feel like that's real. Yeah. Like that like that happened to Kobe Bryant. Like, I mean, I wasn't – like you guys are huge Kobe fans. Like I, when he was alive, I was a Kobe hater. 
Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here with him now gone and pretend right. like I like Kobe. Like, obviously, what happened to him and his daughter and all those people in that helicopter is tragic. But I just don't think there's ever going to be a day where I think about what happened to him and, like, I really believe that happened. Because it's just unconscionable. Like, that happened to Kobe? Like, he went out like that? Yeah. Like, that's just it's, – it's hard to even still think about. Yeah. To even, like, actually, like, come to terms with that. Like, for a lot Agreed. of us, that was – at least for me. I mean, he – Julian I, It really shook me up when I, when I heard about it. I just – it was – Oh, like Julian said, man, it's still hard for you to wrap your head around. Like that really happened, huh? Yeah, it's like really how we lost one of our our our, our heroes and one of our best. And yeah, like and even like Co- like even like Julian said, for all the the good people thing, you had a lot of haters that felt the same way. Like, dude, like that's how, like I I got to hate on this guy, but it's still you don't losing him that way. You just still really hard. He was like the first transcendent superstar that died. In his prime, the prime of his life, I mean, at least in my lifetime, or at least I, I think that's the right way to put it. I, I don't know. Like, is that the right way to put it? I think I, the last time in, like, the sports world we had someone, I guess, of his ilk is, like, who died like, tragically like this, probably like, Roberto Clemente with the Pirates. Yeah, I think that's and, a, I mean, that was, what, like, in the 70s? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, you said it best a moment ago. Like, it doesn't feel real, and it's not really probably ever going to feel real. But that one, that one shook up a lot of people. And Julian and I were in the studio that day together, and, I mean, I almost – I left that day almost kind of feeling bad about the way that I, I handled the show because I felt like actually shook by that in ways that apparently a lot of people, a whole lot of people felt, but I wasn't sure that I was, you know, that a lot of people did feel that way. But that was one of the strangest radio shows and for obvious reasons that yeah. I've ever done. And that was, I mean, it was difficult because I was thinking about it like when I got home that day, because like I was in Chapel Hill, like grabbing some furniture because I was about to move. And, like, I'd even – like, my aunt had told us, like, yeah, Kobe Bryant died. I was like, okay, haha, funny. Like, that, what are you talking about? And then, like, you actually look at it and you're like, damn, that really happened. I get home and, like, watch Sports Center and, like, see all his reactions. And just kind of thinking about, like, how are you going to do a show tomorrow? And, like, you know, we, I, you would bounce off, to, off of me a lot. And I was just trying to figure, like, how in the world am I going to go up there, a guy who's never really had anything nice to say about Kobe Bryant, and sit here – and like memorialize him and not come off as like disingenuous. Yeah. Cause like I, I came in, I told him like, look, man, like I really don't want to say anything today. Cause like, and I felt like also <laughs> for a coping mechanism for you yeah. as a, as someone who's a, a fan of Kobe, yeah. and like that's something like that, that guy meant a lot to you. I felt like it meant more for people who felt that way to get their emotions out than for people like me who really didn't even like love the guy mm-hmm. back when he was alive. Yeah. Cause that for me, like it would just come off disingenuous, even like I'm a human being, what happened? was horrible right and like it was devastating but i never had the emotions that you felt like when that happened and i never will well it was just i think the better way to put it is he was the the first and only childhood sports hero that i ever had that's that's passed away Mm -hmm. i think and that's that's the way i should have said it but that's you know when you grow up with a guy like that you know when you're you know you're imitating him in the driveway like that's that's something different because a lot of athletes a lot of people pass on every day you know, some we know about, some we don't. But the guys that you imitate in the driveway, the, the guys whose jerseys you own, the guys who, you know, whose games you recorded as a kid, that's that's why it hit people so differently. Yeah, man. Um, I, I'm just happy that um, whenever I get to do my, my, my ESPN hits or my TV stuff, man, I get to have him right there in the background. It's like the first thing people ask me about is like my Kobe painting, like all the time. So he's still like changing and affecting lives even though he is gone. So it's just crazy. But, man, that's been – this has been 2020. I mean, how about my – we losing – I got a, a painting downstairs in my in my kitchen, like dining room, and it's like my my wife and I decided we wanted to do a picture, a painting of the twelve disciples, right? The dinner with the last last supper with Jesus, and it's like Jesus, and then it's like who would we want to have at dinner? So we had our kids, 
me and my wife, and then we picked some people. Kobe Bryant was there. He's no longer with us. Beyonce's still there. She's good. Um, Bill Gates, RBG is there. She gone. <laughs> yeah, RBG's there. It's a sweet painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is cool. She's gone. It's really uh, Martin cool. Luther King, he's gone. Michael Jackson, that's my pick. He's gone. Um, Barack Obama's there. And then I think, and I said Beyonce, I think that's about all of our peoples. But Dang. yeah, man, you know, Bill Gates, I said him, right? Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so. I, let me ask you a question. Because it's just crazy, like what 2020 did. I'm like, man, just even looking at my picture, I've noticed it. You I know mean, what I mean? You know what 2020 Island? Marianne from Gilligan's Island died yesterday. Yeah, from saw COVID. that. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of younger people that don't appreciate. I, 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 wa- I watched like all that show one summer <laughs> on like Nick at Night when I was like 10. Yeah, <laughs> like I got super into Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Love like that. my best friend. His name's Tim. He. He taught me the word island in first grade because of Gilligan's Island. He watched it every morning before school. So he knew what this word island was. To me, I thought it was island. I was in first grade. And, you know, is and land. I got two words, put them together. We're learning compound words at the time. It's got to be island. He's like, nah, bro, island. (laughs) Alabama there. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I have a question for y'all because you like 2020 taking stuff away. I know this one hurt him too, and I know it hurt you because you're a big music guy. 2020 took live music. 2020 took live music, and, like, I could see the look on your face because I know how much, like, this kid, this guy travels to go see live music all the time. I know you travel to go see live music. Like, that's, when's the last time you saw a live show? What's um, the last live show you saw? Halloween night. Well, I went down to Charleston. To oh. To see, so actually, if anything, 2020 delivered me the best live music experience ever. When I went down to Charleston to go see St. Paul and the Broken Bones. So I haven't seen you since you or talked to you about so this. So it was a socially distanced concert. Limited amount of people that got tickets, of course. Right. Uh, it was all outdoors right on the riverfront in North Charleston. And it was awesome. Like, it was four people in our little pod, all people that we knew. You could bring your own beer. You could bring your own cooler, bring yep. your own, like, table, whatever. Like, there's a, there's a couple of people in front of us, um, two, two older couples. And they brought, like, their own, like, candlelight dinner. That they like got takeout from some fine restaurant in Charleston, like had bottles of wine. Yeah. And they were sitting out there chilling. Yeah. It, I got, we, once the concert was over with, we like were exited from like the fir- back to rows that they kept, they called our row. We were out of there in like five minutes. It was the best concert experience I've ever had. I never want to go to a concert again where I'm funneled in there like a bunch of Thank sardine you. and it's impossible to get an Uber or get anywhere <laughs> and leave. I couldn't agree more because Roman pointed at me because he knows I've been raving about this. I did the two driving concerts for the Avid Brothers at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and I watched a live show from the back of my truck. We had an um, air mattress, a comforter. We had a cooler. We had food. We brought a cake because it was her birthday. Like, I was eating cake in the back of my truck watching a live concert. And I know you can't do them all like that, but I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure that I ever really want to see a concert a different way now. And I, do you think we go back to the normal concerts? I think we probably will. But uh, people, yeah. I think so, too, because I don't think, you, you, first of all, you can't stop it, A. And, B, just so, there's so much demand for live music. I, there was a couple that pulled into that driveway. I think I told Roman this. Maybe I told you. The couple that pulled in next to us at the driving concert drove 15 hours from Chicago down to Charlotte to see this concert. They threw their four kids in the back of a van and drove down 15 hours because they hadn't seen a live concert in almost a year and they were dying to see live music. And they'd never been to Charlotte and they were dying to see live music, so they said, screw it, and they drove 15 hours on a whim. This is the Goose Island guy, right? The go- right, the Goose Island guy, right. And so they, there are people that are just so desperate for live music right now. It's, it's, that's another industry that, like, they, had, they ran out of solutions in 2020. 
Well, I, I like live music. I like concerts. I actually kind of like the club banger feel. You know what I mean? I'm one of those that I just hope COVID is eventually handled and we get better from this as a as a whole. And then from there, we'll all be able to go out and hang out again. But until then, I'm just going to stick with my versus battles. That's my live music. I have a question the versus for you. battles. Like, to yeah, that's, me, I really turned up this year. <laughs> like, to me, that was a game changer for me. When I got to see Gucci Mane versus um, – uh oh my gosh, she slipped my mind. Uh, what is come? I'm gonna come back to you in a second. Okay. The versus battle. Okay. Well, let me ask you before you do that. Let me ask you a question because somebody brought up the the, the concert or the music festival that you were you went to. Uh, was it last year or this year when you went to the the Pharrell Williams festival out in uh, Virginia Beach? Uh, that was last year. It was we last went. year. How was that, by the way? It was awesome. It was very back chill. Everybody was safe. Was that the there was first one? That was stuff. that like the inaugural one? Yeah, that was the first one. And everybody was so worried because I guess the last time they had to do anything like that, it was a whole bunch of stuff. And then uh, Virginia Beach kind of shut it all down. Down by the water, something fest or something like that was what it was called. Okay, I'll Google it. Like I mean, Because I, some, somebody asked me about that or mentioned that they went to it not that long ago. And I said, yeah, Roman went to that. And I was curious because I heard it was the inaugural one. But that's the stuff that people are dying for. You know, the, the bigger music festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool, bro. We, we got to hang out. We stayed, like, right there on the, by the water, um, my wife and I and a friend, uh, Brittany. And, um, dude, we all just hung out, had a great time, saw some great live music. He brought out a lot of different people. You, didn't, you, had no, you knew some people that were going to be in the lineup, but so many more people showed up for Pharrell and for Virginia Beach because a lot of these rappers and stuff, that's where they used to, like, grow up partying and, and doing things that was, like, in Virginia Beach, yep. in Panama City. So when these rappers and these people get to go back to these places, dude, they, like, love it. And they really turned up, put on a great performance. So um, that's the thing that I enjoy about live music. That's why I like the crowd feel. I like being out there and, and really enjoying it. You know, we've been to uh, Coachella. We've done some other things. My wife wants to do Burning Man, but I don't know about that one yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to see, Kyle. That's, that's to be determined. To Ooh, be determined. That, that's, a, that's a big bite, man. That's, don't bite off more than you can chew on that one. That, I'm, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, me and my wife, we talk about stuff. We're good. Our do, communication's do guys, good. So these festivals you've been to, do you have you had to camp out before? Yes. Because the camping so, out thing so is, that like is where the thing. I draw the line. So, so, that's, okay. I, so yeah. for me, I agree. So when I, I went to Coachella, well. you have people that actually stay out there. And I'm like, nah, bro. I'm, I'm going, I'm glamping or whatever I got to do for that because I'm not being out there like that. I like to shower and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you like just say glamping? I, I like to shower and stuff. Yeah, I'm glamping if I got, yeah, no doubt. I pay for that. I could do like hangout <laughs> festival. That's I could awesome. hang out because you can at least like get a condo. But I, I couldn't do one where I actually had to camp out. No, nah, I ain't with that either. I, I did it begrudgingly. Didn't love it. And, like, I'm someone who likes the outdoors, but I've always been this way. I'll go fish, hunt, hike, whatever, all day long. I'm sleeping in my bed. <laughs> I'm going home. I'm going to sleep in my bed. I'll spend all day outside. But I'm, gonna sl I'm like you. Unless I, I'm forced to sleep in the woods, I'm going home. No, you know what? And how it happens in my house all the time. My wife's like, you know what? You, we should take the – like, the kids should go camping. They, they want to sleep outside. We should let them sleep outside. I'm like, yeah, I mean, y'all can go out there all you want. <laughs> it won't bother me. I'll help you set it up if you really need it. But yeah. going out there. I'm not sleeping outside. Like, <laughs> why do pitch, I have to sleep? Pitch a tent in the backyard. So, so my neighbors did that, and I'm like, dude, I'm really happy for you guys. You enjoy yourselves. Yeah. That's really cool. No, go for it. I'm fine. Well, honestly, actually, you, your kids probably do need to go camping because you got them living here in Myers Park. They're going to grow up soft if you don't go outside. <laughs> so you might need to take them up to, like, some camping site. Uh, and you know what? Like I said, we're going to glamp it, bro. I'm not – I didn't grow up like that, so to me it's not, like, a, a big thing. I was not an outside – I didn't grow up like hunting, fishing. My dad did not do that. I cut grass and stuff. That's what I'll do with my kids. I'll make them be outside work. But other than that, 
builds character. Yeah, man. Is that you know what how you is? live, dog? Okay. All right. No, I, I just, man, I don't know, man. I just, I'm like you on that, on that front. Uh, there was something, I, there was something else I was going to bring up, and it escapes me at the moment. Oh, I know what it was. You were talking about rappers. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 and the versus battle was Gucci Mane versus Jeezy. I forgot about that. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. It okay. was great. Okay. But like uh, Missy Elliott, you were talking about the festival. Missy Elliott's from out there in, in the Virginia Beach area. And she came out there. She did? Yeah. Okay. She put on a, I was gonna, they loved on, oh my gosh, she did her thing, dog. It was great. She was? Mm -hmm. it, was all, it was great. And then uh, Chris, Chris Brown's not technically Tidewater. He's like a little bit further north up in Rappahannock, but I don't think they claim him anymore. No, he didn't. <laughs> he was not there. Was, I don't think uh, they, they claim, claim him, him anymore. Did they claim him pre-Rihanna? What's that? Did they claim, did they claim him before Rihanna? I, I'm not from Rappahannock, so I can't pretend I to know. Think, I'm not, I don't think uh, Chris Brown was there, though. No, he wasn't? I'm trying to think. Oh, so I we got the remember. 704 kid here. We got, to, we got to go back to the Panthers because we started that, and we almost got into it, and I said we we're going to circle back to it. He starts getting into the Panthers here. Yeah. Do yeah. your thing on the Panthers. What about Do your thing. Come on, let's go. Rant Come on. on the Panthers, I, man. I want to hear it because I got some opinions <laughs> about it. Here, I started off. So rant on the Panthers. My concerns about the Panthers are everything. I, so <laughs> except for the quarterback. <laughs> so the receivers are pretty good. But do you you can't pay Curtis Samuel. He has to go. Right? I'm glad you said that because like I felt like I'm the bad guy in the situation. I look at so think about the Rams. Well, what are you going to pay him for, right? Because right. if you if he's going to get an extension that he wants or what somebody may willing to be paying him, like are you going to pay that much to your third receiver, like ten, fifth, ten, eleven million dollars? No. Are you going to pay that? Like I don't know if you're building your team correctly if you're doing that. And then so then from there, um, I I think he's earned some money this year though, so it's a good thing. So it helped himself out. Good. I think it's a win-win for everybody. But I think you could draft somebody. There's not, there's no, there's, there's not a college a player in college. And the, the offensive line, the O line needs issues. They, they have a lot of issues yeah. and they have to clean it up. They got to get better. And when you have somebody like Greg Little, who you drafted in the second round a couple years ago, he hasn't played. That's not a good. bad pick. Um, that was always my genuine concern with. And the oh, draft by the way, your Carolina. best offensive lineman, your right tackle, might leave in free agency. He is leaving. <laughs> I mean, you read you read Joe Person's article. Right? I did. I like, did. I, well, no, why why would he not say that he's not leaving? Because he said like it's a business. Like yeah, my my parents have moved here to the area. Like his mom has family in Gastonia. Like they're gonna plant roots. Like he'll come back here eventually. But he said it's a business, meaning I'm taking the money. No, I'm going you should. Where I there's get money. no home. There's never a hometown discount ever. You, know, you should not. And then so that's one of my concerns. And then defensively, I got concerns all over the place. Who's that corner? I think they could upgrade uh, uh, Douglas, Russell Douglas. Bro, you need better than that. Well, exactly. That's <laughs> he's that. been pretty who, tough who, this year. Who's that? Who's that linebacker? Um, well, fifty-two to hear Whitehead. He's got. You got to upgrade some of the linebacker too. And um, Brian Burns is really good. But I have a, so. But that brings me to my other question: Is why is Brian Burns doing anything but rushing and going and get the quarterback every single question. play? Why is Brian Burns not on the Pro Bowl roster? That's my question. Because he's young. That happens. That's young. Dead. People put other bees. Like, okay. I mean, you can say the question. same question. thing about um, DeMario Davis, the Saints linebacker. He's made all pro and some other things and hadn't been to a Pro Bowl. So that stuff happens. That's like so favoritism and that I hate the Pro Bowl stuff. Yeah, it's but didn't so, you have Pro Bowl incentives in your contract? Yes, you do. But it's so biased, though. But once you make it once, then you get going all the time. Also, That's it does go into account for Hall of Fame. Huh? So, like, the Hall of Fame voters will also take into account. Yeah, they so will. It does matter. I mean, it you know does. the silver bullet to fix the Panthers is, don't you? What? Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> silver bullet. All right, so then, all right, so those are my things. So, defensively, kind of like what their scheme is, I don't really get it. I think uh, Chin was a great pickup for them this year. 
he still surprised me because I didn't know what he was going to play. But obviously, they have him in that type of role. Mm -hmm. So it's good for him. But is it your defense as a whole? Where do you go from there? Well, I did see today Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, did say, like, long-term, like, he's going to be a safety who then comes up and plays in the box a little bit as a linebacker. Like, I agree with a lot of things you're saying. Like, Curtis Samuel, like, he's a number three receiver. Like, DJ Moore, they'll pick up his fifth-year option this summer. Uh, Robbie Anderson has $8 million that aren't even guaranteed for next season. Like, he'll be back. I, I doubt that they give him an extension. It doesn't make any sense, like, to pay your third receiver. Like, the Rams had a choice with Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. All right, Cooks, bye. You're the guy who always has concussions and injuries. You make the most money. We're going to get rid of you. We'll keep these other two guys. Like, there's no reason to keep him when there's plenty of dudes in college football who can fill that number three role mm -hmm. and do the exact same things that Curtis Samuel has done this year. He's a good player, but, like, come on. You don't need to pay him. Offensive line needs to be overhauled. And this is the same guy that never wants to pay a running back either. No. I mean, I, I just – Go ahead. Uh, there's Keep. certain positions I want to pay. Like, Don't get distracted on that. No. Point. I mean, so, like, the offense – like, Moten, if Moten was a left tackle, 100% you pay him. The fact that he's a right tackle and Tua Tungabaloa is not the quarterback here. <laughs> and also, Taylor Moten should be getting the most money he can. Like, screw staying here in Carolina. Go get your money. No Would doubt. I like him back here? Absolutely. But he needs to go get paid. I just look at this team – and, like, the thing that annoys me the most is, like, everyone looks at Teddy Bridgewater and, like, blames him for, like, all the losses this year. And they've been wanting to get a new quarterback and get rid of him. Like, that's the only position it seems like Panther fans want to upgrade on. When they literally need an entire new offensive line outside of the right tackle, but he's going to leave probably. They need a new middle linebacker. They do need a veteran pass rusher because Steven Weatherly came in, didn't do jack this year, coming from Minnesota where we hadn't even heard of the guy. They need new corners, at least one new corner. Still don't know about Dante, whether he's like really – he's not a number one. He's definitely could be a number two guy. Um, they need probably new safeties. Like Trey just got paid, so he's not going anywhere. Um, I would love to have him on the roster, at least as a depth piece, but they definitely need to upgrade both at free and strong safety. So it's just weird to me how everyone – and kicker two needs to be upgraded. <laughs> uh, so they need a new team. I mean, pun, punter, Charlton, special teams player of the week, okay well, – Polarity's better. Like, they need an upgrade so many places, but yet all the consternation is about the quarterback. It makes no sense to me. Like, Teddy Bridgewater is the guy that he was in Minnesota. He's the guy he was in New Orleans. When he has a strong roster around him, you can win football games with him. You can go to the playoffs. Will you advance far? Probably not. The game that they lost in 2015 to Seattle in Minnesota, not necessarily his fault. Blair Walsh, 22 yards away, <laughs> shanked to the left. But they would have came up here and got the works from you guys in Carolina anyway that next week, so it didn't really matter. Last year in New Orleans, really the last two years with Drew Brees out, the Saints are 8-1. and That speaks to how well-constructed that roster is that you're not dependent on the quarterback being great. You're only dependent on the quarterback playing his role. Could Bridgewater be better? Absolutely. Should he be better? I think so. I just don't understand like, why so many people are looking at him thinking like he's a terrible player when he's done exactly what he's always done. Nothing about him has changed. Just, I guess, the expectations for him were a little bit off coming in. I, I don't really – I really don't – I truly don't understand it at all. If you want to be mad at anything when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater, be mad about the contract, the fact that he is tied to be the starting quarterback again this in 2021. I just I feel like it's a good situation for Carolina to be in that you have a respected veteran who can help you win games, yeah. And then you can eventually, whether it's this spring or next spring, you can bring in a young quarterback and let them at least redshirt for a season before taking over. And then hopefully that quarterback has an offensive line for the first time in a 26-year history of the Carolina Panthers <laughs> and a defense that can play complimentary football and a kicker 
who can make a kick from 54 yards. Well, what he really wants here in all of this, though, because the reason he sneered at my Dwayne Haskins thing a second ago is because as he tweeted last night, he thinks everybody's distracted by this Haskins thing when they really should be clamoring for them to let P.J. Walker cook. Let that's P.J. cook. See, I told you. That's, that's, that's what he really wants right there. That's what he really wants. And XFL, I, baby. He was all on him in the XFL. Oh the funny you thing, were so in on P.J. Walker in the XFL. I was in on him because, like, I saw – I didn't watch a second of XFL football. Let's <laughs> let that be known right now. But I was all in, like, on the Twitter highlights. So, I guess I did watch a couple of <laughs> But I was all in on how well he was playing and knew, like, the, the connection. So, I was like, why not bring him here? And it's funny. Like, this is a State of the Carolina Panthers fan base. Like, when I tweet out, like, we should let P.J. cook, like, I get so many likes. Like, people actually think I'm serious when they say Oh, they this. do. Like, they do. I, it's it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but like it is a joke, people. Like I would love for BJ Walker to be the backup, to be uh, a developmental quarterback. Sure. To be the starter. No. <laughs> no. I, I, no. Yeah. I'm man. with you. Not I, yet. I just thought uh, I, miss, I just I just think so many people have so many their expectations are so off. Yes. And I, I see that in so many fan bases. And now working with the for the SEC, well with the SEC all the time, is that these fan bases are just as delusional at times about who they think they are in their universities and where they're supposed to be at. And it's like, man, like when you get rid of these people, first of all, who are you going to go get? South Carolina. And, and where do you, where do you start to like, how, where's your ceiling at? Where's your, do you understand where your floor is at too? Right. And a lot of people don't understand where their floor is at, where Auburn they're starting boosters. from. Yep. And I, I, like, I used to get so frustrated when I would hear Carolina Panthers fans talk about how excited they were about signing uh, the center, uh, Paradis. Who, oh, yeah. Who's been uh, – so You I had guess one of your legendary rants about Matt Paradis <laughs> when they signed him. First of all, he has an, he has an unnatural bias toward – sorry, a natural bias toward interior offensive linemen. Anyway, he hates him. He especially hated that one. I, I'm not – so unless you're just the boss at guard, then I give you some love, right? Boss is at guard, I get it. <laughs> but at center, I'm just like, bro, like <laughs> – Who's the last person picked in the, in the – if we're playing backyard football, who's the last person picked? The fat kid. The one that's snapping the ball. Exactly. <laughs> He's the last one picked, bro. It and also, when you get – when that was like the exciting signing, I'm like, bro, that's not good here in Carolina. Well, that's – that's the that, – Roman, that's what the Carolina Panthers <laughs> are, though, man. Like, they never had back-to-back -back winning season. <laughs> like, when you were here, I think you were only here for, what, two years? Like, you guys both – you won a division back-to-back -back yes. years. It was three years in a row. Even then, they didn't have back-to-back -back winning seasons. Yeah, because like, we like lost all those games. Reigns, yeah. We went two months without winning a game, and I was losing my mind. I never lost that much. I never lost that much my whole life, like ever at any level, never. And I was going crazy. And uh, I know we lost like seven or eight, seven or nine games in New Orleans, like early in my career, but still, never two straight months without a win. And We're, that's that what year, happened. Roman, here. like y'all beat the Browns, and people were talking about Derek Anderson needed to be the quarterback. Like, that's how delusional people are. Like, they had, they were doing man-on-the-street interviews on, like, WSOC asking people, like, so what do you think about the quarterback Derek Anderson's? Like, well, you know, I really like Cam, um, but, you know, I think Derek Anderson's a more wholesome guy and really fits our culture better, and I think that uh, he should probably be our starter moving forward. Dude, let me what? tell you something. I, both of y'all are to get it. I, until I started doing full-time radio in Charlotte, I knew it, but I'd never had a real appreciation for it until you talk to him every day. How many irrational people hate Cam Newton for no damn reason? And it came up again the other day with the Dwayne Haskins thing. I was talking about it on the air, and you will have no problem whatsoever believing this. You won't either. Uh, I was talking about Haskins and about how, you know, it was actually Booger McFarlane's rant on Monday Night Football that apparently pissed everybody off. And, Julian, I'd love your take on this in a second. But, like, he's talking about this. 
and I play it, and I get all these listeners texting like, Booger's right, or Booger's nailed it, or, you know, maybe he should have been talking to all young people or all young players instead of just young African-American players, but otherwise he was right. You know, and then you would get some other people chiming in here or there, but then people would say, well, you know what? Great example of what he's talking about there is Cam Newton. And I'm like, dude, what, what do we, are we talking about the same person? Because Dwayne Haskins hasn't even been in the NFL for two years yet. You're talking about Cam Newton, the Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, uh, rookie of the year, MVP, went to the – that Cam Newton, right? Because right now Dwayne Haskins is tracking toward being Achilles Smith and Jamarcus Russell, not Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. But there are still people who want to lump him in those categories. And he's, you know, a decade into the NFL now, and it just doesn't make any sense, Julie. I mean, it, it does kind of, but it just – it blows – should it's, it keep blowing my mind? When's it going to stop blowing my it's mind? It's never going to stop. Like, it's like people were surprised when you hear the reports about, like, Cam Newton being, like, the first one in the facility in New England and, like, all the guys following him and thinking he's a great leader. Like, I mean, obviously, Roman, you can speak more to it as a guy who came with an outside perspective of Cam and not being changed when you got here to Carolina. Like, it's annoying. I, I, like, I'm over it. And, like, the whole the booger thing, I just – I hate it, like, when – like, when I see on Twitter when people are, like, saying, like, Dwayne Haskins is, like, kind of going down the same road as Johnny Manziel – Last time I checked, Dwayne Haskins never been popped for a DUI. Dwayne Haskins has never been accused of rupturing his girlfriend's eardrum. Last time I checked, he's not checking in and out of rehab facilities. And, like, Johnny Menzel is mature enough today to where he'll point, he'll point out that everything that bad went on in his career was all his fault. I just don't like when they do that. And, I'm like, boogers, it was uncalled for because it does lead a lot of people who have bad intentions, I'll just say it that way, to feel validated in their beliefs about certain – players and I guess we'll just say African-American players black players in the NFL that they're not focused like he's right about some things like some guys do care more about having a uniform and then getting like social media followers but also it makes sense that these guys understand like you have a finite time to get money in the NFL and to use the NFL and use that team as a way to bring in money to for your brand like the teams exploit the players in the same way like the Panthers like hey we got this one guy let's make sure that we use him so we can make more money I have no problem with them doing that. I just don't feel like Booger was right in going out there and just explicitly pointing out black players because you never saw any white analysts saying like, well, Johnny Manziel proves that all these white quarterbacks just don't have a good uh, thoughts when they come into the league, that they're more focused on these other things. It's just dangerous talk. I really like Mike Freeman on USA Today. He had something about it. He, I, thought, I like, really like what he wrote about what Booger said. Like, I think Booger admit from a, he meant it from a good place, right. but it was just the messaging – needed to be a lot better than what it was so i so when i first heard it i i called booger I, well i texted him and i told him i agreed with what he said like the angle that he was coming from because a lot of it is true and uh but we also think what you're saying too julian is that um maybe the delivery could have been or it could have landed better than what it was i think he shot the shot the missile in the air determined to hit what you wanted to but whatever the fallout was was not what we wanted to do and um i i, I wish he wouldn't have said aimed at just the black players, but he's true. Like, at the same time, though, loving and supporting each other also calls on it when you have to call a spade a spade. And when you're wrong, you're wrong. And that he has to grow up. He has been – he's gotten in trouble a couple times about COVID. He's already – you know, and then the, the pictures and all these other things. It's just like – it's a, I think it's going to be good for him because it's going to make you grow up. And actually – the other thing that I wish that maybe Booger did was maybe try to reach out to him personally before you almost like just talk about him. Um, because a lot of times, like our words are bigger than that, bigger than just a normal conversation because 
you were on that platform. So sometimes just understanding what platform you're on as well, that man, your words really are big. And when you when we're going on a rant and where you're emotional about some things where Booger has an emotional attachment to this because he was teammates with Jamarcus Russell. So mm -hmm. for him, it's a it's a personal thing as well when you see another start situation. But also like the narrative of the black quarterback has changed too. Like it's more young African-American quarterbacks in the NFL that are being successful. So we can't lean on that crutch either as much as well that, oh, they're just going to put it in this category of a black quarterback because there's a lot of really good black quarterbacks in the NFL that are balling. The best quarterbacks in the league are black. Thank you. Mahomes so, and <laughs> Russell Wilson. Yeah. So that narrative has changed too. So we you can't lean on that either. But he has to be better. So you either keep it strictly towards the player that we're discussing and not try and wrap so many people into it because like Julian was saying, it's already people that have this opinion about young African-American players that get all this money and da 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 and they don't know what they're doing. And then if one of your own kind of seems to almost say that, agree with that narrative, it just gives them, oh, he said it, see, he's good. It's the same thing when I don't even want to say the lady's name on my show, but um, the one African-American girl that's always beefing up and talking about her own all the time in a bad way. Yeah, her, her, her initials are C well, and O. Can, can, well, can I ask you a question though? Because I, I, I wanted to see what you thought about that. Because I guess on the one hand, I, I think that, like you said, coming from a good place, what Booger said, you know, it, and the way I said it when I was talking about it on the air yesterday, I said, okay, maybe you reshape the message toward all young players in the NFL because there are a lot of white players, Samoan players. Everybody needs to hear that message. You know, especially when a couple of years ago the NFL had Chris Carter up there at the, the rookie seminar telling everybody to find a fall guy. You know, so you want to make sure your messaging is Was good. he wrong? Well, I, mean, I guess, you know, maybe some wisdom in <laughs> he that. He thought but. nobody – I mean, he was talking to the players, though. Somebody got to keep it real. Right. And he but understands, like, who, he's, who his audience is. I just don't understand why people are mad at Booger. Like, if you want to say – give him some constructive criticism and say, hey, you know, that's a, a more broad message that needs to be delivered to everybody, but otherwise your message was a good one. You know, or, or I, I think for some people it was just too much get off my lawn, old man wa waving his finger at the cloud. I, I saw – maybe not you, but I well, saw a lot of people saying stuff like that, too. For me, and I think if we learn anything this year with a lot of people, like being black and a male in America is not easy for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we should be trying to uplift each other yep. instead of going on TV and reaffirming the already preconceived biases that people have about us and particularly us that get become successful. Because there's a lot of people who see Dwayne Haskins and the money that he makes and some of these athletes, like with the NBA, with like the shut up and dribble thing. There's a lot of people out there who are jealous of the ability of some of these athletes who've had the opportunity to come from nothing and to make something out of their lives because they're able to dribble a basketball or catch a football or rush the passer. So it doesn't help when you do that. Now, that's not the, that's not the case of everything. Like, I think it came from a good place. I just would have preferred had Booger obviously not sing on black athletes in general because I feel kind of the same way that where he's coming from. Like when I think about college basketball, like the Kentucky thing, I absolutely hate the fact that John Calipari tells these guys when he recruits them, I'm going to get you the NBA. No, no. That's not what you should be selling them. Because he's, he's selling it to young black kids. So I kind of take it personal like Booger does too. You shouldn't be selling them that. You should be selling them, I want to make you the best man possible and bring you here to start an education. And then potentially you have the opportunity to go to the, to the NBA and to make multi – you can be make money that can change generational wealth. Sure. I just didn't appreciate – like Booger is pointing out that like it's a black issue. Like it's not a black issue. It's like an issue of a lot of athletes who come from all different like races and creeds and backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, 
that's what just bothered me the most about it, that where he, Roman's like, he could have reached out to Dwayne Haskins because that's what he should be doing. He should be trying to mentor him. He should be trying to figure out how can we help Dwayne Haskins so where he's not out of the league next year or in two years and has no other opportunities and avenues back into football opposed to saying like, well, see, this guy is not mature enough. He's more concerned about likes and retweets and going to the strip club and popping bottles than actually playing football. All right, so fair enough. So, the, But then does the explanation not hold water when he says, well, you know, I, I, in his explanation maybe, and maybe I don't want to make sure I'm framing it right, that, hey, the league is 70% black players, and he felt like that's the largest audience he was speaking to and that he had the license to speak to. So it doesn't sound like much of that holds water for you, right? I mean, you don't – that's not something that you – Like, I understand. But, like, I mean, he's the league's 70% black players, but how many is what, three black head coaches? If that, well, that, yeah, that's a different I mean, can of worms. For and sure. then how many like assistant coaches are are, are black? Oh yeah, no, like, the NFL's had a hiring like, problem for a while. I just feel like I, I don't know what Dwayne Haskins' upbringing was, but certain guys do need someone to step up and help them and to guide them at that point in their life. And it just doesn't help that a guy's up there who could be that. And it's not Booger's job. Well, that's that. That's what I was going to ask you because I, I've heard other people say, suggest, well, did you reach out ahead of time, or you know, why didn't you say something first? Well, a Booger gets paid to talk about this stuff and gets yep. paid to to discuss it. You know, just like you do on the SEC Network and I do on the radio, and you do what you do. So, like, that is his responsibility to talk about it. And while, yeah, in a perfect world, we'd like to hear Booger McFarland reach out to Dwayne Haskins and offer to mentor him. You know, that man also has a family and a job and a life. So, you know, maybe that's how he delivers his message, and hopefully, in a, he thinks in a constructive way. I guess my question question is why is it incumbent upon or his responsibility to have mentored Dwayne Haskins before he has license to say something yeah I just there's only so many black voices on TV who have an opinion and have these understandings of like some of how some of these guys are raised and just kind of situations some of these guys are in that like it it hurts when one of us says that kind of thing yes that's what it is that's what it is that's what it really boils down to okay is it's one of our own and like man like we already get beat down enough, so when our own do it, it almost it's almost double. It's like the you know the people that you love the most are the one you're the ones that can hurt you the most. Yeah, right? no, I the get same it. Same like, way I, with like if if just some random person, um, like if some random person on the street just calls my wife the you know the b word, like, and they may not affect her as much as if I call her the b word. You see what I'm saying? So when one sure. of your own or somebody closer to you says something hurtful. I think Speaking it hurts of that, a little bit I did more. that. I did something kind of like that today, and I was going to mention this earlier. I was on the air today talking football, and I you know, called the Washington football team by their old name very reflexively. And mm-hmm. I did it on the air. And, I caught, and as soon as it left my mouth, I was like, oh, you know, that's shit. That's not something I'm supposed to say anymore. And, like, that's, you know, something else that I think is maybe a unique example, but one of, you know, a, a word, uh, a slur, I guess, that it, it wasn't even a part of people's consciousness for the longest time until it was. And now here we are in 2020, and that team changed its name a couple of months ago. But it also changed its name, some people believe, to distract from the fact that its owner was being sued by 15 female former employees for sexual harassment in a toxic workplace in the NFL and a toxic culture. And they've actually been talking a lot up there about Jerry Richardson and the way that that went down with the Panthers when Richardson sold the team and about how the NFL owners have kind of circled the wagons and um, – you know, th- that sort of thing. And so, again, I bring this all up to say there are systemic issues even within sports, you know, that exist because the powers that be are able to lock things down and, you know, seal tight whatever they want to seal tight and control the narrative. I know you hate that word, but, you know, to control pretty much everything. Narrative drink. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I hear where you come from. Like that, <laughs> the, the football team, the Redskins thing. Like, I, I think it's very hard to distract from all the issues that they have internally there because it's been a dumpster. Like, 
it's Ashburn, where the facility is for the Washington Redskins in Virginia, has been on fire for like five years straight. Oh, <laughs> like the smoke, like the smoke. That is that is black. the most. That I've that you know why I've disliked that that franchise for most of my life because it doesn't make any sense to me. Because it, it's it's the Washington Redskins, you know, ostensibly in Washington D.C. For the longest time, they build themselves as the the team of the South in the NFL, even though they were in D.C. Right, which was strange enough. Well, Falcons, Mason Dixon, uh, yeah, right. You know, okay, f- fair. <laughs> and so then, like, you know, the Falcons come along and all that, but like, they they're DC's team, but they have a stadium in Maryland. They do training camp in Virginia, you know, and you had multiple states claiming them. But now at this point, nobody really wants them. They won't give Snyder a new stadium in DC. They don't like him in Maryland. You know, I don't know if they're going to move to Virginia or not. But like, there's some. I don't know, man. There's only so much real estate in that part of the country. I know. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, it's crazy enough that, like, they've even been able to build. I guess probably the place I should put it is at RFK, where RFK is right now. But then that means you're going to be getting rid of all the people who live in that area. Yeah. Which is not going to go over well in D.C. Because that's already (laughs) not gone over well in D.C., the the gentrification that's happened in that city over the last 15, 20 years. You know, think about what that city's been through in the last year. I mean, they had literal, you know, National Guardsmen on the streets. You know, that, that place was getting that, – that place was a war zone at one point earlier in the year. Yeah. D.C. has been an interesting place for I mean, the last four months. I imagine in Portland. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I was out in Portland in July when I guess they were having protests for, like, 100 days straight. And I was in downtown Portland, didn't see anything. Really? <laughs> so, I don't know where, where it was happening at because apparently it was happening in downtown. Didn't see the Proud Boys. I was just, like, very confused. Like, <laughs> wait, so Portland's apparently on fire, yet I'm here hanging out, like, on the corner of, like, some neighborhood, like Pearl Street or whatever it is, like, drinking some beer at this craft brewery, and everything just seems so fine. And but apparently, this? like, a mile or, like, a couple blocks away, like, the city's on fire. So, like, did, did you ever see? You never no, saw anything. I didn't see anything. anything. But if you looked on TV later that night, you would see the city's on fire. Oh, see, okay. So it actually happened while you were there. You just it was just, happening. You, I just didn't see it. Damn. It was man. blocks away, apparently. But My brother lives in Seattle. He said the same thing. He said, dude, it's really not that bad. Like, really? actually out there with it. Like, he lived in Seattle. That's what he was getting a report on, that it wasn't as crazy. But I'm not going into what's crazy and what's not. No, no, no. It's fine. This man, we, we have, when we have him back, we'll get him to talk about his cross-country trip. We've been at this. Uh, we've kept him long enough. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've done a good job here, boys. It was good to get together. This oh, fun. man. Thanks for coming, Julian. Thanks yeah, for no, stopping thanks for through, Hey, before uh, you get out of here, again, uh, 704 Podcast, where can they listen? Yeah, uh, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, Spotify. Honestly, just Google the 704 Julian Council, and you can find it. So, what yeah. all you guys uh, – sh- tell me what you're uh, sh- sharing with the people on your 704 Podcast. Well, I had, a, I, had a, I had an episode drop today. Today's Thursday, right? Yeah, so they come out on Thursdays. That's what I've decided to do now after, like, months of not ever go. consistently having one come out, like, on a certain day of the week. So I talked a lot about uh, the whole Teddy Bridgewater situation, why Panthers fans should be mad about the contract, not what the player's done, considering he's, like, literally done this year what he's always done in his career. Also gotten a little bit of uh, Hornets talk, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk. Fame. What's that going to happen now with Malik Monk not playing any basketball? Looks like he's out of the way out. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. But there's also a ton of great podcasts with the Queen City Podcast Network, which is where my podcast is hosted, which focuses on the Queen City, the real Queen City here in Charlotte. The real one. Apparently there's 34 – Cities yeah. in America that go by the Queen City. Yeah, so, really. Yeah, because yes. it, it, there's also like if it's the second largest city in the state, but also the state capital, or not the state. No, I'm sorry, largest city in the state that's not the state capital. I have the no opposite. idea. It's something like that, and if it's yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, the largest city in the state that's not the state capital. I think they call them the Queen City. 
for that reason. And so, uh -huh. like, the, where my wife's from in Manchester, New Hampshire, that's called the Queen City. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah, that's an interesting little nugget right there. I thought he was going to go into the history of Charlotte and how it was named. He's such a Charlotte No, but team. you can listen to the Charlotte podcast, which is part of the Queen City Podcast Network, and John and Miller <laughs> always have a history segment at the end of that podcast. That you can listen to. <laughs> All right. That, there's, like, probably a trillion things we could have got to. But now that we're doing this, we'll just have you back. Does that work for you? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, talk to my secretary. Sounds good. Sounds talk good. to Angela. All right. Well, uh, happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, we're off to party, but absolutely not. I'm not partying. Are you happy partying? New no, no. I'll be at the house. Uh, the wife's family's still here, so we're going to have a good time. Yeah, here. we got wives and, uh, and, I got work and such waiting on us. Everybody, happy New Year. Can't wait to talk to you in 2021. We'll do that next week. Looking forward to it. Good to have Julian Council. For Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard. Be nice to each other. Happy New Year.